I, uh, I also want to chime in a little bit. Uh, Lori mentioned we went out in the neighborhood and handed out some flyers. And uh, it was one of the first times I've really been out there for a while meeting neighbors and getting to know the community outside of the church a bit. Uh, but one of my favorite interactions, we have a, a neighbor couple streets down and so I walked by I told him what we were doing and asked if he wanted a flyer and many people maybe because of COVID didn't want to actually physically touch the flyer uh, and he said no but it's, I can remember where it is and so I went to the next house and this guy came chasing after him and goes hey wait a minute wait a minute do you take donations I went well sure and he goes well okay give me the flyer and and he is so cute he looks at the flyer and he goes yeah I'd like to bring some chicken and he looks and he goes oh non-perishables okay I'll bring some non-perishables and Saturday morning before uh, the food pantry opened there he was our neighbor that I met for the first time he brought some food that they can give out to other people and that was the heart that I sensed it wasn't primarily people who had a need for the groceries but there was at least an equal number of people who really had a heart to be a part and to help out and it just is so encouraging to see people who want to make a difference and uh you know, face what we're all going through together as a community. So again, like Lori, I just want to thank all of the volunteers and the donors and everybody who made it possible. Uh, we'll do it again in, in two weeks on Saturday morning. So uh, with that, I uh, prepared you ahead of time to receive communion this morning. And so I uh, went through a number of the different gospels where communion is introduced, and the one that really struck me today is out of Luke 22. And, uh, you know, again, it's, it's something that Jesus instituted. Um, he has a reason, a purpose, a plan for why we're to do this, this physical outward act because of an inward reality, and, and to remember that because of what he did, we can uh, commune now with God as our Father, with Jesus as our brother, and honestly, we can commune with the Holy Spirit as disciples that are being taught and counseled by him. And so in Luke 22:14, it says, and when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. He wanted to be together. He wanted relationship. He wanted community with them. He wanted to share a meal. For I tell you that I will not eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's take the bread. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Lord, we thank you so much for your obedience, for going to the cross, 
for suffering that we all could know forgiveness and through that forgiveness be reconciled to our loving Father that we can know you as a brother, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. We can welcome you as our comforter, our counselor, and our guide. So we just receive this communion in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, so uh, why don't we go ahead and prepare to receive offer our offering. If uh, you're new to us, we use uh, an app and a software called Tithely, so you can download it on your phone. You're welcome to tithe through Tithely online. Um, there's a give button on our website. You can download it on your phone, and you can give through your phone. You can text, or we still have people who are mailing in checks, and every uh, everyone, we're just so overwhelmed that honestly we haven't seen still a reduction in the stability of our giving here and our finances and our responsibilities and mortgage continue on. So uh, God has just been so faithful and so good through all of you. So um, let me pray for the offering and we'll jump into the message. And I forgot I want to set a timer because I'm learning to be more disciplined with my preaching schedule. So, bam, there you go. So, Father, we thank you today that we are a family. We thank you, ho, oh, for the outreach to this community and for people who aren't even a part of our church who have a desire to see others' needs met in such a practical way. Just the pantry has been such a, a radical blessing and generosity has been demonstrated in every area. And so, we thank you that you give us resources that we can then help meet the needs of others, give into your kingdom, support people who are called to work uh, in your kingdom. And so, Lord, we just thank you for the gospel of salvation. We thank you for the gospel of your kingdom. We thank you for the gospel of a king who is a king above all kings. So we pray all of this and receive this offering, continue to just bless uh, us and give us wisdom in how to uh, manage the resources that you have given us as stewards. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh. Ah, so, um, again, I, I encourage you, um, as Miko did last week, if you haven't heard his message, I really encourage you to go to YouTube, um, to Abiding Place Church. It was a tremendous message on the need to just continually uh, spiritually feed, to maintain our uh, devotions, our times in the Word, our times in prayer, our times in worship, our times in community. It was a it was very, very uh, powerful word. And uh, as part of my own ongoing devotions, I'm reading through Hebrews, and uh I have a subject that popped out at me that has been one of the most important lessons I've had in, in my journey walking with the Lord, and it comes out of Hebrews 5, and uh, I'm going to start kind of with the end of the verse, and then I'm going to go back and read the context for you, but Hebrews 5, um, verse 14, is a challenge to us. It says, but solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. That really captured my imagination. I really felt the Spirit breathing on that one for me, that 
you know, this is a, a, in the beginning part of the verse, it's a bit of a rebuke. There are people who aren't ready for solid food. How do you know when you're mature? Because you have learned through practice how to know, how to discern good versus evil. There really are behaviors that are in alignment with uh, God's ways, with the character of God, and there are behaviors and actions that are contrary to uh, the kingdom of God and to God's ways and to God's character. And part of maturing is learning, Lord, I want my heart to be like your heart. I want my words. I want my actions. I want to be like you in every way I possibly can. And so I, I, th I think the operative word that really stood out to me is practice. How do you practice applying God's word to your daily life? How do you practice walking in faith? And so the beginning of this passage, Hebrews 5.12 says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles. <clears throat> uh, the oracles of God. And then I just want to insert, that word oracle stood out to me. It's an older word. And an oracle is one who speaks the word of God, who speaks um, not their own words, not their own ideas, but actually God's ideas. So uh, just a quick reference in Acts 7.38, the, it says that the angel who spoke to Moses spoke living oracles, spoke a living word to Moses that he, uh, there was an utterance, there's a declaration. It's not just uh, logos is our, our words, our ideas, but this is a different word. This is actually God's word. This is God speaking into our circumstances and us recognizing it that way. So God spoke through that angel to Moses, and I love that term, living oracles, because the word of God is not just a concept. It's actually a person as well. So, uh, <clears throat> so it says that uh, the basic principle of the oracles of God, you need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is still unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. And then it continues, but solid food is for the mature, those who have their powers of discernment, learning to know what God is doing and saying, trained by constant practice, man, Life is a constant training ground for me to distinguish good from evil. And so there are two elements that I really want to look at this in. And some of this comes out of a book that influenced me early in my walk from Watchmanee, The Release of the Spirit. And Watchmanee teaches about the discipline of the Spirit versus the revelation of the Spirit. And uh, the discipline of the Spirit is sort of the outward way of learning about God. And, uh, you know, there's a, a great term, means of grace. We gather together and worship like that worship that transformed me this morning and worked really transformed me, refreshed me last week. That's a means of grace in my life. I showed up to be present for worship. I read the word so the word can begin to read me. And uh, I have fellowship with brothers weekly so they are part of my life and I can be a part of theirs and we can you know, help discern together what God is doing in our lives. And so the discipline of the Spirit uh, is actually a, a means of grace. It's, I, I used to think of it as a lesser way of learning 
And I will say it's a harder way of learning. The discipline of the Spirit, I believe, operates with people who are believers and unbelievers. It's the school of hard knocks. It's trial and error. And the, the problem with trial and error is you've got to fail several times and suffer whatever loss and consequence there may be. So you lose bits and pieces of yourself here and there, but you do learn. Over time, people do eventually wise up. Uh, I'm reminded of a, uh, I think it's just a fictional story, of a young man that worked in a mailroom. And one day he had to deliver a letter up to the CEO's office. So he walks in and the CEO greeted him and he delivered the letter. And as the boy's walking out, he turns around and goes, sir, do you mind if I just ask you a, a quick question? He goes, here, go ahead, son. And uh, he goes, well, I'm just curious, how do you ever uh, find yourself or what do you have to do to be able to get into a position like the one that you're in? And the man thought for a moment and he said, well, you know, honestly, it takes, it takes a lot of good decisions. And he's like, oh, okay, thank you. And he begins to walk out of the room and then he says, can I ask you another question? He goes, sure. And he goes, well, how do you know how to make a lot of good decisions? And the CEO looked at him and said, well, you have to make a lot of bad decisions. <laughs> and uh, for me, there are times that I've had to learn that way. I, I have to learn through circumstances. And I don't always want to have to learn that way. But part of learning through trial and error is learning in some ways how to separate really our spirit from our soul. Our, our mind, our will, and our emotions in most cases is how we've learned to deal with this world, uh, respond to challenges, to crisis. Uh, we have a strong intellect. We have powerful emotions. We strengthen our will to just gut it out and persevere. And, uh, but really, the Lord can use all of that, and the Lord died to redeem our soul, so our, redeems aren't, our soul isn't evil, but our soul can be very contrary to the Spirit. And God breathed in us a living Spirit so that we can commune with Him, and honestly, the Spirit is supposed to be the, the final um, place of guidance, the final place of discernment to tell our soul what to do with our intellect and all those emotions and all of that willpower that we have. And as I was studying a lot of this out, there was a phrase I ran into that, that touched me that I think it's more important over time uh, through the discipline of the Spirit, through living life, to grow into having a pure spirit and not just a powerful spirit. Sometimes people want to pursue you know, the, the gifts of God and, and minister powerfully in prophecy and in worship and preaching and whatever and see a demonstration of the Spirit's power, which I believe is a totally necessary component of the gospel. But imagine a person who allows God to refine them, to purify their spirit, to purify their heart, to be like his heart. And what will flow out of that life if your only motive is not uh, selfish in nature, but is genuine, unselfish kindness toward another. I think the Holy Spirit can get behind somebody in that position with even greater power and influence. Um, the problem is, according to Watchman E, we have to come to a place of brokenness where we no longer are just going to rely on our knowledge, rely on our strength, 
uh, whatever gifting we have, our talent, for our identity to be caught up in our, our soulish abilities um, is, is contrary to a, living a life in the Spirit. And so it takes a brokenness. And by the way, the stronger your gifting is for most people, the more easy it is to rely on, the more of a habit it's become to turn toward that. And so it takes longer to break our reliance on our soulish strength in areas of our giftedness. And, uh, and I know that that's been uh, true in, in my case as well. So I, uh, oh, um, I was thinking about Hebrews um, 4.12. Um, so let me let me turn there because it gives us a powerful insight I think into this how this process works of being conformed to his image and becoming more having a pure spirit and not one that's a mixture of your own soulish stuff as well so Hebrews 4:12 says um, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joint and of marrow, the discerning uh, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Only the living word of God can go so deep into us that it can reveal where those mixtures are. Why you actually didn't do something more based because of a fear that you had rather than a sense of the Lord leading you in it. Why you chose to do something because it would make you look good rather than coming underneath somebody else and helping them up for their welfare and for their benefit. It, uh, it is actually when the Lord begins to give revelation that, uh, you know, that sword is used to help um, break us to this place where we feel weak and God can become strong. And uh, so I, I want to give the other side of this. The revelation of the Spirit is learning to follow God in um, an inward way, not just the outward way that we are all used to. And so Augustine uh, said later in his life that he was grieved how many years he had wasted searching for God outwardly and not looking for him inwardly. The reality is, God breathed on us, we're created in his image, and now, in this season, he sent his spirit to abide right inside of us so that we can turn and look for him, uh, Christ in us, Emmanuel, uh, to, to figure out where he's going. And, and it's so easy, it's not just a storehouse of knowledge that we need to develop from the word of God that's going to puff up our egos, um, that doesn't actually lead to that cutting that Hebrews 4 was talking about where we separate out the false motives and the agendas and the ego. Um, it takes God speaking into our lives, um, not just intellectually through the word, but by his spirit that we begin to actually desire the things he desires and want to look for the things that he's doing in our lives. I think about uh, King David, who, of course, is a reasonable uh, hero for many, many people, a man after God's own heart. But 
I think David's life represents probably more completely than anyone else in the Bible I know of what a, a passionate and a genuine relationship with God looks like. And then you think about uh, David's heart being poured out in the Psalms, and then right next to it is the book of Proverbs written by Solomon, who uh, had an intense knowledge of God. Uh, he, he knew what God looked like, and, uh, but that knowledge didn't lead him into a deeper place of communion with God. And so I think those two lives are set side by side on purpose, you know, that we can't just assume that knowing more about God is somehow going to want us to be like him and be have the power to be transformed into that image that we see of him, but through that relationship of not just reading words, but hearing words spoken into our heart, um, we really uh, have the empowerment then to become like him. So I, I thought of a, an experience Lori and I had several years, er, many years ago now, actually, in the early years of our uh, marriage. Uh, I was leading a men's group, and uh, it was a wonderful group of guys. It was a very powerful time. And so we'd normally have new guys showing up and building relationships with them. And we had one guy who was just released from a discipleship center, a court-mandated discipleship center. And he was rough around the edges, and he, uh, he, you know, he often would want to bum rides from people and try to uh, ask for money from guys in the group. But, you know, we thought, well, he's trying to get his life on track. Uh, that's a good thing that we're spending time with him and building a relationship and so, you know, I want to be supportive of that. And then the thought occurred to me, well, Lori and I have a three-bedroom home, and we have room, so we could uh, actually invite him to be a roommate for a period of time under the conditions that he would be uh, allowing us to help him look for work and that he would be a, a, a good roommate. And it sounded just so reasonable. It was a very good thought, but in hindsight, I realized it wasn't really a God thought. It was just in my own soul. Hey, I should do a good thing. Meet the need of this younger guy who's trying to turn his life around. And so while I'm considering having him in my home as a roommate, I got a picture in my mind. I, rem I can still see it. I remember distinctly. I saw a picture of this guy up here at 45 degrees, uh, at a 45 degree angle, and he was had this crazy look on his face and he was pouncing on me and he was buck naked. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like pictures of naked men in my mind very much and it disturbed me, obviously. I mean, it was pouncing on me, undressed, and uh, it was such a strong uh, image that it kind of stayed with me. It's like, well, that's a weird thing to see. Um, but I was involved in a, a local church. I was leading that men's group uh, for the church that we were a part of. So I went to one of the pastors that I had a relationship with, and I said, you know, I, I don't mean to bother you, but I had this really disturbing picture in my mind when I was thinking about inviting this guy to be our roommate. And he goes, well, what do you know about him? And I said, well, not, not very much. He's just been hanging around the group for a few weeks, and so uh, I wanted to come talk with you about it. He goes, well, come on into my office. So he walked me in, and he said, so uh, I think you got that picture for a reason, and it isn't commonly known, but he was uh, re released and in that discipleship program because he had been convicted of rape. And I was about to invite this guy who had been convicted of rape, who, by the way, was going to rape again. 
and I was going to have him in my home with my beautiful young stay-at-home bride and I don't know what could have happened. I don't even want to think about what could have happened. If I had just done what felt like out of Christian guilt was a good discipleship idea, but God had a different plan. He gave me, and not even a word, he gave me a picture that so troubled me. And by the way, I don't often emphasize this part. I was in relationship with other people at the church that I could go to. So I could discern, okay, is this from the Lord? What might the Lord be saying to me about it? What is the next step that I should take? I still had to partner relationally with the Lord who gave me the picture and with other people that I had in my life who could help me discern. For me, that has become a foundational experience that has prompted me to desire to walk with the Lord, to continue to be plugged into the means of grace that are available to me for the Lord to speak into my life and to give me a picture when I need a picture, to give me a word when I need a word. I prefer the revelation of the Spirit to just the discipline of the Spirit and having to learn by trial and error. God has a better way for his people. You don't always have to suffer loss to be able to move forward into the purposes of God for your life. Oh, you know, I, uh, I probably will not be able to do justice to this subject matter, which is okay. Um, but as I think about, and you know, I've been walking with the Lord 40 years now or so, and I still have to learn some basic things. Um, that, that verse from Hebrews really does kind of touch me. There are times I still feel like areas of my life, I'm not ready for the meat of the word, but I want it. I want to continue to grow and not just learn intellectually, not just learn um, more knowledge, but I want the word. Um, like in, in the book of John, it says, in the beginning was the word. And he's not talking about the written word. He's talking about the person of the word of God. Um, Jack Hayford has a great quote. He says, the absolute authority of the Bible over our lives is based in our conviction that the Bible does not merely contain the word of God, but that it is the word of God. That it's a living oracle to guide our steps and for God to be able to speak and to breathe upon it when he wants. Um, I've been obsessed probably the last couple of years, especially I haven't mentioned it for a while, but read um, 1 Samuel chapter 30, the story of, of David and the Amalekite raiders. And for me, it's part of the reason David really is the shining example of what a relationship of learning to honor the word of God, the, the oracle, the living word of God in your life. Uh, because uh, the Amalekite raiders had come, stolen their wives, their children, and his mighty men were talking of stoning him. So David's in this tremendous crisis of his life. And, uh, and what does he do? It says that he had the ability in a crisis to go and strengthen himself in the Lord. I so have to have that now i so have to know in a time of covid 19 in a time of disappointment or discouragement or confusion how to get into god's presence how to find that means of grace how to seek with my whole heart 
Um, I remember years ago going to a pastor's conference and it was wonderful and I heard anointed teaching and there were intense times of ministry and there was a heartfelt worship. Uh, and after several days of just being exposed to the word, I remember a simple prayer, just you know, thanking the Lord for the conference and everything that had been deposited in my life. But I said, you know, Lord, I still haven't heard your still small voice. And I really came because I want you. And it was just out of this deep place of sincerity. I just wanted to have a relationship with him. I wanted to hear his voice. I wanted to know him more. I wanted to experience his presence in an ever-increasing way. And I will never forget that simple prayer, Lord, I really came here because I want you. I encourage you to pray that this morning. Lord, everything that I do isn't so I look smart or it isn't so uh, I don't have to be afraid and it isn't because of my own agendas, Lord. I, everything I do, I do because I really want you. And in that experience, I remember the Lord, first time ever, he said this to me. He said, I love you, son. And the way he called me son, just, uh, I, I broke. I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to understand why he's so good to us the way he is. But he is, and we just, we have to learn to accept that. And so, uh, Oh, I, uh, like I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this message um, justice, but in the story of King David in 1 Samuel, it did say that David was able to strengthen himself in God. He had those skills. He, you know it wasn't just the first time that he learned how to press into God's presence, but then even better, he waited on the Lord after he got strengthened for a word. Lord, should I pursue and he had enough of a relationship that he could discern, like we're talking about, knowing good from evil, right from wrong, truth from lie. David knew how to discern that, okay, the Lord said pursue. And he trusted the Lord. He trusted that word. And he went off and had everything restored for his, his man and for his own family as well. And so, God, that's so much how I want my life to be that I know how to strengthen myself in God. I know how to wait upon him. And I don't think I've honored enough in my life. Um, and I've had conversations with other people where I know that they've heard from the Lord. I know when they share with me what they feel God is saying to them, that it has the exact fragrance of the Lord. It is the way the Spirit has spoken to them in the past. It has the ring of truth and of love just resonating and and yet, I've had people, I know that they received a word from the Lord, and then they get distracted, and their circumstances begin to confuse them. And it's like, wait a minute, you've got a word. How do you hold on to that word? How do you respond? How do you activate that word in your life so that you're not doing anything in your own strength anymore? Now you're doing it in the strength of the reliance and the trust in that living word that God has given you. And so, you know, I believe that's what David illustrated for us there. And that's so, so much. The things that have meant the most in my life, the things that have brought the most breakthrough, the most healing, the most blessing, have been the times where I had a simple encounter with God. I listened to what he was saying. I took it to heart. Often I've had to confirm it in his word or confirm it in the counsel of others. But baby, when I know it's him, I know I can trust him. I can go anywhere he wants me to go. I can do anything that he wants me to do because he'll be there with me in the midst of it. So as we 
close, I just want to finish up on Romans 12.2. And it's a challenge to us as people of faith, as people who walk and live in the Spirit. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So actually knowing the will of God, desiring to know the will of God, willing to live in submission to what's revealed in his word, what's revealed in our hearts uh, through his spoken word, to know when it's him, to discern that it is him with confirmation and then to go out and do extraordinary, supernatural, impossible exploits for God, letting his word and his discipline and his revelation come and mature us all to be people who walk not just in the power of the Spirit, but also in the purity of the Spirit is a, a lifelong process that we all are engaged in and inspired by, and growing in. And so I just am excited to continue to see more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life personally, and in the lives of those that I love, and all of you who are listening. So Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity. Lord, never before in my life have I come to a point where when there are problems, I really do sense it's an opportunity. That when there's conflict and a crisis, God, I begin to look for you in it because you are going to use it for good. That, Lord, even my challenges are an opportunity for an upgrade. And I just want to learn to strengthen myself in you, to rest and trust in your word and let your spirit breathe upon the pages of this book that it'll become a living word that I can rely upon, step out upon, ho, and see your purposes just expand and your kingdom expand from everything that I do in my life and the lives of those I love. We thank you for all of this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.